Good morning. I'm Angela Davis, and you're listening to NPR News. So glad you could be with us today. It might seem like narcissists are everywhere these days, obsessed with social media, grabbing power and knocking others down in the process. Narcissistic personality disorder is actually a diagnosable mental health condition. And while diagnoses have not increased since the 1960s, narcissists have more ways of making themselves heard than ever before, whether it's at your kitchen table or in your Facebook comments. This morning on this Wellness Wednesday, we're talking about narcissism. Two therapists are here in the studio with me to give us some practical advice for coexisting with the narcissist in our lives. And we want to hear from you. What is your relationship with narcissism? What questions do you have around protecting yourself from a narcissist or beginning to heal? Are you struggling with your own narcissistic personality disorder or that of a friend, a partner, or family member? The phone lines are open. You can join the conversation. Here are the numbers to call, 651-227-6000, or you can call us at 800-242-2828. Let's bring in our guest. Larissa Hooper is the, a therapist and the founder of Therapies Counseling in St. Paul. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist and licensed alcohol and drug counselor. Welcome back to the program, Larissa. Thanks for having us. Good morning. And next to her, we have Chanel Wanell, also a therapist with Therapies Counseling. And she's a licensed associate marriage and family therapist with additional expertise in equine therapy. Good morning to you. Good morning. Hi, nice to see you. Uh, Larissa and and Chanel, you are in frequent conversation with uh, clients who come in to see you and discuss the challenges in their lives. Uh, How often do you find yourself talking about uh, behavior that falls in line with narcissism in some shape or form? Larissa? It actually comes up quite a bit, but not the actual word narcissism. Usually people are describing what we would consider narcissistic traits mm-hmm. and are often unaware that that's where our minds are headed mm-hmm. and wondering how um, this person's showing up in their lives. So I would say as far as like a diagnosable um, condition. Most people don't know anybody with the diagnosis, but they know people with traits. Behaviors, of, right. Behaviors, yeah. And so this word narcissist, I mean, I always have to stop and like, how do I spell that? <laughs> <laughs> the word narcissist, it, it has become a, a term that's just thrown around a lot uh, right now in, in pop culture. Uh, I know that Google searches for narcissists have been at an all-time high for the past few years. We discovered that. And when we call somebody a narcissist, what are we talking about? Let's, let's take a moment to just define what this means um, and to describe some of the behavior. And, and so can can we begin to do that, Chanel? How do you define narcissism? Yeah, so for the actual diagnosis of, of NPD, it is five of nine traits. And Larissa, you can support me in this too. Um, one of the first is lack of empathy mm-hmm. and ability to have empathy for other people's experiences. That's a huge one. A sense of entitlement, uh, the excessive need for admiration, mm-hmm. arrogance, a belief that they're special, mm-hmm. um, fantasies of success and power. Um, they over-exaggerate their experiences or accomplishments. Grandiosity, right? Exploitative to others, so they're often very manipulative. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, envious of others or believe others are envious of them. And arrogant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's pervasive across multiple realms in their life work, family, relationships, friendships, 
that you'll see these traits across the board. And so this is a, a condition that really, like many other conditions, exists sort of in a spectrum, right? You mm-hmm. can can have some of this, and or it could be like like really like fifth gear, like excessive as yes, well. Correct. Right. So what's the difference uh, between someone with narcissistic tendencies and someone who's actually diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder? So again, it would be that they have five of those nine traits. It's pervasive. It's mm-hmm. across a spectrum. Um, versus someone, I mean, we all have characteristics of narcissism. Right. We do, where we sometimes lack a- empathy for other people's experiences. We think we're more important from moment to moment of things. Um, we can be arrogant about accomplishments. So again, on that spectrum, I think there's a healthy dose of narcissism that we all want to have. The difference part is, is about like self-confidence, too. Well, yeah, but actually that that's another fundamental piece of actually having NPD is that there is a lack of inner self-worth and inner self-confidence. And so this person is often striving to externally get validation, which is why it becomes so catastrophic, because without the external input, it's almost like there's an empty shell there. And so the exploitiveness of other people, the manipulation of other people, the fantasy um, of grandiosity, all of those things feed into a sense of self-worth. Versus a a confident person or a person that has self-confidence probably has a foundation of their own sense of self-worth, self-value. And you you might see them at times show up or present with some of these traits or characteristics where it's appropriate, where narcissism often it's just pervasive. It's not even always appropriate for the situation. It's almost delusional. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, it's a spectrum. So you have some people that it's blaringly obvious that Mm -hmm. they have this and other people where it's more hidden. So this sounds like a person that maybe wouldn't have a lot of close relationships, but that's actually not true, right? Many of them are in in serious romantic relationships or parents and close friends. Is that that is that is very true. They actually um, are usually very successful people. Often, um, they're usually in very how high powered positions. What we would consider like leaders, mm-hmm. um, politicians, uh, CEOs, and so um, <clears throat> you would think that this would be something that would seem unattractive to be close to, but actually they're very charming usually. Mm-hmm. So that's why it can be somewhat danger- dangerous. Um, because if you don't know what you're looking at, you can kind of get sucked into that, like, charm and wit. And mm-hmm. um, and there's harm. And there is harm. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Because it's not for your benefit. It's to feed their ego. And so, in particular, when we're talking about, you know, when you come across a narcissist, they can be this charming person that's capable of working the room. The thing is, it's almost like... A shark in the water because they know what validation they need and they want they can kind of sniff that out in other people mm. so they it's almost like you think you found your soulmate or you think you found like the greatest person ever and you have everything in common but really it's a manipulative exploitive way to get you as like a source of what we call feed right narcissistic feed where you yeah. are a supply chain for their ego for their sense of self-importance for their sense of entitlement and they feed off of you through manipulation until you're basically a shell of yourself right so we call that narcissistic supply 
Mm-hmm. All right, we're already getting uh, phone calls from listeners, so I want to bring them in. Uh, again, I have two therapists in the studio with me today, and we're talking about narcissism. Uh, what is your relationship with narcissism? What questions do you have about protecting yourself from a, mar- a narcissist or beginning to heal from a relationship? Or are you struggling with your own narcissistic personality disorder uh, diagnosis or, or the traits? Uh, give us a call, 651-227-6000 or 800 242 2828. Let's go to Apple Valley. Uh, Mary is listening this morning. Hi, Mary. What did you want to ask or share with us? I have uh, a question about the association of alcoholism and narcissism. I have a loved one who, when I looked up the diagnosis, I went, that is him. Mm-hmm. And Mary, and then, I'm sorry, go ahead, Mary. And then other counts, you know, some counseling. I, I know after this show, I'll probably know a lot more, but it can drive a person crazy. It's my husband. And Mary, do you, can you share like some of the, the traits that you just heard Chanel and Louisa describe? Like what are some of the characteristics or behaviors that, that you would oh, attach? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He's, he feeds off of being the wonderful person that, is always going to help someone else. Um, but as his wife, I see a totally different person. And I wonder if that is going to come up in the conversation today where he has no empathy and can't understand um, his lack of empathy for particularly me. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he does show empathy, it is in it comes from his... Um, Abusive upbringing. He goes back to his uh, upbringing and, and the, the abuse he suffered. But he's also an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And and Mary, uh, so there's harm. I can tell you are harmed by his behavior. Oh, absolutely. I, it it makes you think that you're crazy because you're. You're lo- trying to look at a normal person in a normal relationship, and it just isn't there. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, I can say it's white, and he says it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, the snow isn't. It. All right, Mary. He, well, he, I don't. I don't think I feed his need mm-hmm. that he needs um, because I see his day to day decline and not being this superhero. Mm-hmm. Mary, I want you to stay on the line. So hold on. Don't don't hang up. Uh, and Larissa and Chanel, I want you to talk to Mary. So a lot in what she's describing here. Uh, Larissa, you're nodding. What are you hearing in Mary's story? And, and what can she do? Yeah. Hi, Mary. I am listening to you. And what you're describing sounds classic um, in what we would expect to hear um, in having a possible narcissistic partner. Um, you're right. It is very difficult, um, and you probably are not supplying him with that um, need for admiration, and so he will seek it out out in the world. I also wanted to speak to you mentioned um, him being an alcoholic. That is very common um, with this personality disorder. There is a comorbidity, a high rate of comorbidity with especially alcoholism. What does that mean? It, it exists with other <clears throat> things. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it often exists with a substance use disorder. Yeah. 
And um, Chanel, what were you saying? Yeah, even more specific. Um, and I don't want to do any diagnosing over, you know, right. radio, but right. just when when you're describing that, what to me and Larissa and I both kind of locked eyes, it's the communal narcissist. And that's the narcissist that has this like sort of giving, caring, giving back to the community at all costs um, personality that they present but often in personal relationship with them it's very very different and even the communal narcissistic behavior is self-serving it's to feed their ego their sense of importance their sense of uh, being valued and so you'll see you'll be surprised because you'll think oh well they're not a selfish person but really it's the spotlight is on them through the community work that they're doing but what does mary do for herself what can she do for herself I would highly suggest Mary get into therapy mm-hmm. with yeah. someone that specializes with, in with narcissism. somebody who understands narcissism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what will what happens there? And she will work on, um, first of all, kind of unraveling some of the things that she has learned over time. A lot of times uh, we call that gaslighting yeah. when, mm-hmm. you know, you say that the snow is white and your partner says, no, it's actually blue and Here's why you're dumb. And so you have to start to heal from some of that and get some validation even so that you don't feel like you're crazy. That's the first thing, I think, in having a safe space to do that and feel validated. Mary, what did you mean when you say you said twice, it it makes me feel like I'm crazy? What do you mean? Oh, no one else sees it. Um, Everyone else sees mm -hmm. this wonderful, helping person. Mm -hmm. And I know that he's doing it to feed his ego. And it's it's very frustrating um, because what he'll do is he'll help everyone else. Yet I'm the one who's painting the walls. I'm the one who's taking care of everything else that he's helping others do. Um, so Mary should seek counseling. What else do you think would be helpful for her? And... Or is there is there anything that would help change his behavior? Can someone with th- these narcissistic traits, can they improve or change or? I wouldn't focus on him. I What Larissa said is accurate in the terms of um, getting, getting a professional to help you be validated in your experiences. Because mm-hmm. what you're describing, especially with the communal narcissist, is they are planting seeds of their identity way ahead of the game before you are. And so you trying to dismantle his image that he has probably worked his entire life on building would cause extreme amounts of destruction to you. The best thing that you can do is to simultaneously, while being with being with him if you don't leave, is to start working on yourself. But trying to prove to other people who he is versus who they think he is, is a really dangerous game to play with a narcissist because that is how they get their sense of self-worth. And so if you go after their self-worth, that's where you'll experience the rage. That's where you'll experience sort of the outbursts of behaviors. Um, And so being cautious to not try to intentionally go after and dismantle that, but starting to do the work so that you know where your feet are planted, you know what you're experiencing, and even disengaging from maybe the community that is integrated with that narcissist, I would say, and start building your own sense of safety and community. All right, Mary, I want to let you go. Anything you want to say to um, Louise or Chanel before you go? 
Well, I am currently, I just signed up for the Hazelden Family Program. Um, so it's mm-hmm. difficult for me to go, is it the alcohol first, alcoholism, or or the narcissism? I think they coincide, they go together. Mm-hmm. And Louis- um, Larissa, you're a counselor, you're also a licensed alcohol and drug counselor. What can you say? I would say advise? these things go together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can't address one without the other. So the Hazelden Family Program is a really great place to start. All right. Mary, thank you so much for sharing your story. and We wish you the best. Let's take another phone call from a listener. Uh, we're talking about narcissism, defining it and, and uh, helping people decide, you know, how to address it. If you're in a relationship with someone who uh, displays narcissistic behavior, what questions do you have about protecting yourself or beginning to heal? Call us at 651-227-6000 or 800-242-2828. In Farmington, Charles is on the line. Thanks for listening this morning, Charles. What do you want to ask or share? Thanks. Thanks for taking the call. Mm-hmm. And boy, my heart goes out to Mary. What a difficult spot to be in. Um, mm-hmm. So we're going from the, the micro to the macro. Uh, I, like many of your viewers, am someone who works really hard to stay engaged with what's going on nationally and internationally. And there are folks out there on the stage, both socially and politically, who have this constellation of uh, narcissistic behaviors that make it really difficult to stay engaged. So the question is, how does a person stay engaged with regards to what's going on nationally and politically, while at the same time engaging in self-care in situations where you're exposed to uh, narcissistic behaviors? So, Charles, are you talking about, like, uh, well, high-profile politicians, this is a presidential election here, and and just news coverage, (laughs) wanting to, like, I need to know what's going on and what people are saying. You're saying that that's difficult for you to take in at times. Yeah, I'm talking about high-profile politicians, exactly, without trying to to cast this as intensely political or partisan. No, I, no, I understand. I mean, I, we'll just, you know, we know when we think about important people in, in this country, uh, particularly leaders and politicians, people who get a lot of news co- coverage, including former President Donald Trump, for example, uh, some of their traits seem to fall in line with narcissism. Um, and so I think, Louisa, you said that, that narcissists tend to follow certain career paths and politicians is one of them. And there's been a lot of news articles written uh, about former President Donald Trump that he is a classic narcissist. Now, what does your training tell you about what you see in some of what has been written about him or what you've witnessed yourself in news coverage? Sure. So I will say I can't diagnose someone without having them in my office and actually talking with them. However, um, as Chanel mentioned at the very beginning, you know, if they meet five of that nine criteria, Um, You can kind of decide for yourself. Um, Oftentimes, politicians do meet a lot of the criteria. Um, It's kind of a perfect profession for them um, to kind of hide in plain sight because they appear that they are for other people when really it's to feed their own supply. They're usually very charming and very witty, very intelligent, and they have that narcissistic, that constant narcissistic supply coming in as a politician. So you have people constantly vying for your attention and your acceptance and things like that. So it's one of the career paths for sure that we would see. And the impact of social media, I think I said in the introduction, because in, mm-hmm. in recent years, there's just more ways to get your message out. Yeah. Like it sort of exposed some of this behavior more than what we've seen in, in the past. Mm-hmm. Would you you say that to be true as well? There's just more exposure to some of this behavior because they're just more outlets? 
there's more exposure and also our culture is becoming more individually self-promoting. And mm-hmm. so I think it's not just the fact that we have outlets, but it's the nature of our culture. And, you know, just going back to what the caller was asking, like, how do you take care of yourself while staying informed? First of all, I want to applaud the fact that you even notice that you're feeling some level of like lack of self-care when you're engaging in that. That says a lot about your own sense of like awareness and balance. So just acknowledging that. But I, I don't think I have a good prescription for that. I think you have to decide what you can take in that feels reasonable to you while staying informed. But I love the fact that you're aware that you're feeling some kind of negative impact from paying Mm -hmm. attention to these traits. Like that's a huge thing because most people don't even recognize when they're around it. And I would also add that with the social media piece, we often will um, have people who kind of, we recognize during treatment that social media is actually having a really negative impact on their mental health. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times we will suggest to them or ask them, you know, about maybe getting off of social media for a little bit and seeing if they feel any better. And most people I would say that I've dealt with um, say absolutely they feel completely, it's a complete shift for them. So take a week, just no social media for a week. Just cut it out. Just see if if you see a difference. Yep. Yeah. And they say they do. Absolutely. Wow. Every time. All right, let's take another phone call from a listener as we talk about narcissism and uh, behavior that falls in line with narcissism. Call us at 651-227-6000 in St. Louis Park. Elizabeth is on the phone. Hi, Elizabeth. Thank you for listening and calling in. Hi. Hello. Thank you so much for taking my call. Sure. Um, So I am calling because I was in a marriage with a person with many of the narcissistic traits, and we now share a child. And I'd say that co-parenting is difficult because it really isn't co-parenting, but mostly parallel parenting. And time is about 60-40 split. And then I worry about my child's development. So my question is, how do I parent with a narcissist and how do I, or narcissistic like uh, tendencies, and how do I protect my child's mental and developmental health? Great question. And Elizabeth, if I could just ask for a little more detail, what are some of the yeah. characteristics that, that deeply concern you um, as you co-parent? Um, so I would say um, the list of them all uh, apply. So in mm-hmm. the marriage, I um, the person uh, definitely had the alcoholism, um, has the grandiosity um, since marriage when we are co-parenting. Um, that person has uh, done things like taking my child into another school without my knowledge, and I had to go to court to change that name and put my name on uh, things just because they're thinking that, like, I don't exist kind of um, component. Um, when we're going into court for different things, that kind of grandiosity component is that they will even represent themselves or go to appeals because they find themselves um, kind of the smartest person in the room. So they've appealed even lower court's decisions um, that they, um, uh, they t- I think that they tend to give the shiny life to my child, but mm-hmm. um, at the same time, really neglect her emotional uh, needs. So they'll bring, they'll like bring that my child to Disneyland or something like that, but then um, leave them alone all day in the work uh, at, uh, alone at their house or apartment, um, mm-hmm. or they'll uh, 
I know that I've been reached out to from another individual that they worked with that they've actually are um, potentially charging them with some uh, kind of money laundering components because of, again, like that, that grandiosity thing where wow. they travel all the time, they have the shiny life. But in all actuality, I think that there's a lot of um, turmoil mm-hmm. on the inside. Okay. And so, my, yeah, I just worry about... I worry about my child's development because I think that there's like a shiny life on that side, um, I but I don't you. know if emotional needs are getting taken care of. And then in terms of co-parenting, it's extremely difficult to. All right, Elizabeth, thank you for, for sharing all of that with us. Uh, let's talk about narcissistic parents. And um, what would you first uh, say about that situation, Larissa? So I just want to validate your experience. Everything that I've heard you mention um, experiencing is very, very common. Um, so I want to validate that in that, um, it is very difficult to co-parent with a narcissistic ex. Um, we would say, I I wouldn't even call it co-parenting. I would call it counter-parenting, um, because it's often trying to do damage control. Um, it's very common for, um, it to seem like the other parent is kind of the Disney parent, we call them. Um, where things, like you said, look very shiny and nice, but there's emotional damage that's being done behind the scenes. And so I would highly, again, it's kind of, I I know it's kind of a repeat, but I would highly recommend um, getting your child into therapy as well as yourself. And also um, reading up as much as you can about how to protect yourself and your, and your child. There is a book, um, adult children of narcissistic parents or adult children of emotionally immature parents is what it's called. Um, and even though your child's not an adult, it still might be helpful for you in giving you some tips on how to create really good boundaries with her uh, other parents. So they're, everything that you're saying uh, falls in line with, you know, representing themselves, uh, manipulating courts, enrolling them in schools mm-hmm. and not telling you, withholding information, refusing to mm-hmm. um, participate in certain things. Um, the money laundering, ironically, is also very common, as well as the alcoholism. So everything you're saying is right on par with what we would expect to hear. Well, you said, why was it so important for you to first say to Elizabeth, I want to validate what you're experiencing? I think because when you're experiencing a narcissist or coming out of a relationship with one, especially co-parenting with one, you kind of feel like you're on an island because most people don't see that person that way. Mm-hmm. Um, your experience with them is so intimate and different, and you have such a back you have such a backstory to all of their behavior that they often can present as very, like we've said, very charming, um, very giving, very you know engaging very present for their kids, but it, but it's not in the way that we would hope. It's not mm-hmm. in a genuine, um, in a genuine way that would benefit your kid. It's actually usually very damaging. And so it feels often like you wonder if what you're experiencing is real mm-hmm. because no one else sees it that way. Um, Chanel, I want, I want to hear your response to a written comment that we're getting in sort of the same, um, same sort of our same situation. Uh, Paul in Eden Prairie wrote this. He says, my mother-in-law fits the checklist and my wife grew up with uh, this mother. Uh, we didn't have the label for her until her mom was in her 50s. The damage it does to a child is huge, Paul writes. Uh, can you talk about the children of narcissistic mothers or fathers? 
how they are, are abused from day one. My wife is now 63 years old, and it still affects her self-worth. She grew up with no empathy. Does that, mm. um, can you see that later in life? Because so, many people may now be reflecting upon yeah. a past relationship with, with yeah. someone who was a narcissist, and now like, oh, okay, this mm-hmm. is what this was. Yeah, I have clients as well that are coming into their 50s, 60s and realizing that their parent is a narcissist. And mm-hmm. um, the the difficult thing is that a lot of times children can display those qualities then because they grow up without being taught how to have empathy. And so, you know, the damage that's done and the authentic attachment that happens in genuine relationship isn't there with a narcissistic apparent. And those are some of the things that contribute to developing a narcissistic person. But I would say if you don't land on the side of developing, you know, a narcissistic personality disorder from having a parent that has it, um, you land on a side of like often being this very emotionally vulnerable, self-doubting um, lacking sense of self-worth person mm. and often looking for external validation that could come through addiction, that could come through sex, that could come through a lot of different like um, relationships to try to fill that void. And so his wife is in her 60s now. Uh, yes. Now. Yes. So mm-hmm. and depending if, you know, if they have grandchildren or children, an important part of the process for developing them is teaching them empathy. You know, Larissa, I remember you talking about like the antidote to narcissism is empathy, 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 teach your children empathy. But the other thing is secure attachment. So even with his wife, being sure that he's emotionally available, being sure that he's present with her, being sure that he's validating her experience. But like many of the callers have said, sometimes people are doubting their own experiences because of the chaos that happens with the narcissist. And just one more thing about the caller with the child. Um that you were talking to Larissa, you were saying how it's like they're on an island because other people don't see this people that way. But I would go even beyond that because most people have not encountered a true narcissist. And so it is it is disorienting. It's disorienting even as a therapist to encounter a real narcissist. Like it is mind blowing because if you're an empathetic person, you can't perceive that kind of mindset. You're just not wired that way. And to the narcissist, they don't see that anything is wrong. No. Mm-mm. Right. All right. Back to the phone lines in Minneapolis. Chris is on the phone. Chris, thank you for listening this morning. What did you want to share or ask? Yeah. Hi. Thank you so much. And I'm really glad that you're doing this call. It's such an important topic and such a um, an under understood part of mm-hmm. like a, abuse and, and violent relationships. So I thank you for that. Um, you know, for me... I was in a relationship for most of my 20s that when I got out, I began to understand aspects of the person I was with that that were narcissistic and perhaps they, they do have narcissistic personality disorder. And through my understanding of my own healing journey, it turned a big light onto my own father. And I now believe that my dad is um, has narcissistic personality disorder and uh, I think part of what was so hard for me to understand it is they, both my, my ex and my father really played into this victim narrative. Like, I have been wronged. I'm a genius. Don't people see how amazing I am and have a lot of the traits that have been described. Um, but I'm, I'm very concerned um, 
you know, for my mom, because my mom has been in this relationship for you know, 40 years. Um, and she does so much emotional labor uh, for, mm-hmm. for my dad, and, and she has very low self-worth. So I'm curious if you could talk a little bit maybe about, um, you know, for, for children who are seeing their parents go through this, the the support that they can provide for their parents, um, mm-hmm. helping, you know, build up their self-worth or, or any recommendations there. Right. Thank you, Chris. Um, and, you know, something that Chris described, some of the, the language, uh, people always wrong me. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a genius. People don't recognize it. Does that sound like a, a trait of someone who's a narcissist, Chanel? Covert. A covert. Covert. Right. What is that narcissist? It's tell me more. You have more of like the overt that is like blaring sort of like grandiose type of Mm -hmm. narcissist. And then the covert is more where it's very much like this. It's kind of that blazing sense of like lack of self-worth, lack of self-esteem that you're constantly having to pour into and feed into. And and they stay in this victim mentality. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like the core of the narcissist is present mm-hmm. where in the in the overt one it's like the core of the narcissist is hidden by all the grandiosity and chris now wants to help her mother right. who's in this relationship mm-hmm. and that's that's a difficult place to be i just want to again validate um your experience and coming to those realizations especially as an adult about your own parents is is really difficult um and I think being a support for your mom is huge. Um, as you said, I think you, you mentioned she carries a lot of the emotional labor in the relationship, which is not, um, I'm not surprised by that. Um, I think supporting your mom and what she needs and how you can be there for her and who she has around her and if they're supportive. And um, it probably is supportive for your mom just to know that you understand um, that she sees it, someone that, else sees it. That someone else sees it, yeah, mm-hmm. and has like a name and can and and can talk about it in context. And somebody who also loves this person as much as she does, I'm sure. Can a person work on themselves so that they are no longer a narcissist? Hmm. I think we have a little bit of differing opinions. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 you discover I, you can have an awareness. Okay, so I think that you can have a sense of self awareness. But the fundamental part of them that needed to be developed in childhood is missing. And there's no way to go back necessarily and repair that, which is why it's a personality disorder. Because mental health, you know, we can improve and change. But personality disorders, they're like fundamental parts of how you're developed into. So you can have you know, self-aware narcissists that use it in an adaptive way. But I want to point out that it's never a genuine empathy. It can be learned, but it's never going to be because it's not just um, your environment or your childhood. It's all of those things, but it's also there is a genetic component to it. So are you born a narcissist? Some people. You're born with with a predisposition for it, Mm. but it doesn't necessarily mean it will be expressed. There's other mm-hmm. things that come into play, but twin research has shown us that, yes, there is a genetic component to it. If an identical twin is born and becomes, has narcissistic personality disorder, they are, the other twin is more likely to also have it. If they're in different environments? 
Well, I think nurture nature. Let's say you split them. Did did they talk? I about think it? I think those things. I think those things are factors, but I don't necessarily think that it changes the fact that you are predisposed genetically, and just like any other person personality disorder, schizophrenia, or anything like that, it doesn't necessarily mean it will come to fruition. But it possibly, mm-hmm. yeah, it, there is a component. You're both therapists. Does therapy work for a narcissist? Has a a someone who you would say is a narcissist sat in front of you and, you know, <laughs> been able to improve their behavior? Does therapy I work? I don't think I've ever in 10 years had somebody come in and say, I think I'm a narcissist. Yeah. I don't think narcissists necessarily seek out therapy. And if okay. they are in therapy, it's a partner dragging them and they are so damn charming. Mm-hmm that they are often capable of smoozing the therapist and they end up, people end up just like all these callers. Wow. Feeling more devalidated, invalidated right. because, right. you know, this person's a great person. They're a great partner. And I also want to point out that most narcissists think they're the smartest person in any room. So mm-hmm. even, and that goes for therapists as well. So mm-hmm. when they do go to a therapy, usually in a couple's context, um, they believe that they are smarter than the therapist and that they know more than the therapist. So they're not going to be open to receiving any kind of feedback usually. Back to our phone lines. Uh, and we have uh, Jordan who's on the line. Good morning, Jordan. Uh, good morning. I, I'm, I'm glad that this topic is being uh, talked about. Um, I'm trying to put my thoughts together in a clear way. Um, I was with a partner who I believe... Um, at the bare minimum has narcissistic traits. Um, and I, we're now separated. We went through a three-year divorce. Um, there was a custody battle involved with it. And I sometimes catch myself um, acting in the way that she would always act towards me. And I get afraid sometimes, do I have, you know, narcissistic personality disorder or at least traits of it, and is it learned behavior from the 10 years of, of mm-hmm. mental abuse that I suffered in the relationship? Because, um, you know, it, it was two years. We, we In July, we had a 60-40 split in the custody battle, and now, you know, two months after everything was finalized, she dropped our child off at my door and left a 1,000 miles away. And it's, it's, I almost felt used in court just so she could get more validation. And then when it was all over, all the responsibility was dropped on me and I get angry in the same way that she used to get angry at me. And it just, so it's created a lot of confusion. Jordan. Yeah. It sounds like, all right. Um, what would you say to Jordan, um, Chanel or Lovisa? The fact that you're afraid of being a narcissist probably says yeah. that you're not a narcissist. <laughs> but what I will tell you um, you know, I've listened on this topic and, you know, we've, Larissa and I have had our own personal experiences as well with narcissism outside of things clinically. And um, if you sit with something that's not good with, for you long enough, it does impact you. You know, I listened to Dr. Romney, who's like a leading expert on this. And she says, like, narcissism is like being around a narcissist is, is like being around secondhand smoke. It's extremely bad for you. You start to smell like it. You start to behave like it because your behaviors become adaptive to survive in that environment. Mm -hmm. And if you stare into the eyes of a monster long enough or dance with them long enough, you become a lot like them in order to be able to manage the game. And so 
I think it's great that you have a sense of awareness that you've taken on these unhealthy traits. The fact that you're able to see that and acknowledge that, I don't know if you're in therapy, but I would get in therapy for that. And I'd also get around a healthy community that you want to grow and become more like in whether it's in parenting or relationships so that you can start getting rid of those unhealthy traits. But I can tell you from clients that have been around narcissistic people, from experiencing it in my own life, it is a dangerous dance to be in. And sometimes if you're co-parenting with someone, it's really hard to get out of that dance, but it's nearly impossible to not have some direct behaviors that look familiar to theirs or that are countering to theirs once you're engaged in that level of relationship with them. But the fact that you're afraid is a good sign. Yeah. Right. And it, it, it sounds like, um, you know, Jordan wants, um, I mean, he has, uh, he, he will have future relationships. So he wants to be healthy moving mm-hmm. forward. Um, right. What would you say to him moving forward? Like what he can do? I would say just like Chanel, I, reiterating what Chanel said, you know, being around healthy people, um, people that you want to become more like, um, you know, being self-aware and doing your own work. Um, sitting with yourself. If there's things that feel uncomfortable, it's trying to teach you something. Mm -hmm. Um, So if there's something you're doing that you don't like that you're doing, that's good. Um, It's what you do with what you know that's Mm -hmm. important. All right. Another uh, phone call uh, as we talk about narcissism uh, in uh, Adina. Beth is on the phone. Good morning, uh, Beth. Thank you for listening. What do you want to tell us as we talk about narcissism? Oh, um, I had just called to share that... um, I had, hello? Yeah, you're on. We can hear you. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Great. No, I just wanted to call and share that um, earlier when Mary was talking, I was calling to share her support and getting out of her relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up with a parent who was like this, particularly the community narcissism that you're talking about. I mean, if anybody you met in the community, they would say that this person was a great person. What are you talking about? They're not a negative person. So when my mother divorced him, it was very difficult because... She was trying to have to prove, you know, why she was needing the order of protection and other things that she needed to protect herself from his behavior. And Mm -hmm. but one of the things I learned from her um, was that she started to recognize that she was married to somebody very similar to her family. Mm -hmm. And that's why she started to educate herself about, you know, what's the behavior traits that I'm drawn to, attracted to, what brought me into this marriage because she wanted to turn around and teach her children to not, you know, have this repeat itself as best as she could. She knows that these things can be repetitive. You know, you can be drawn to the same thing because this is a family trait. Um, and I'm just very grateful for that. Um, I saw the connection with um, one of the things you learned from her is the connection with alcoholism that ran in the family, whether you're an active alcoholic or a dry alcoholic, the abusive behavior patterns, the drugs, you know, all those things, how they placate into that behavior as well. All right. That's Beth. Thank you. Um, Let's take uh, another phone call. Uh, Let's see. Let's see. I have so many calls here. Uh, Let's talk to uh, in Gordon, Wisconsin. This is uh, Brett, who's on the phone. Good morning, Brett. What do you want to tell us as we talk about narcissism? Yeah. Well, um, I was married to a phenomenally skilled narcissist for almost 10 years. And I think the thing is, uh, with guys, is we want to fix things. You know, we want to be the knight in shining armor. We want to be better. It must be my fault. 
you know, I'll just, uh, I won't go fishing this weekend. I'll do something with her. I'll, it, your life becomes completely, uh, it's like a parasite that just continually draws from you slowly over time. And it starts to reinforce from your perspective that it must be my fault because it's not getting better. So you keep doing more for no return whatsoever because a, a narcissist will never say that's enough or, or I'm good. Thank you. I, I, I want to take a step back and talk about just relationships in general. And so, you know, with family members, you're born into family. We don't get to choose our family members. But as, as we're out and about in the world, choosing friends, choosing romantic partners, um, just in general, I mean, what should we be looking for in terms of red flags? I mean, beyond narcissism, uh, what should we be thinking about as we, we choose to spend time with people um, so that we can have healthy relationships? Any red red flags or just any advice you would have uh, to our listeners in general? Chanel? Well, let me say. <laughs> if we're talking romantically, love bombing. Love bombing? What is that? Watch out for an excessive amount of admiration towards you from a person that has no idea who you are. Like from the jump. Oh, you're yeah. the best. You're, you're so the greatest. Why? You know, oh, my. Extravagant gifts and right. trips if they're able to afford that. Lots of compliments. Quickly. Yes, quickly. They don't know your character. They don't know who you are. They don't know what you're about. But they're doing all of these things because the purpose of that is to really get you to worship and admire them, right? It's not really about you. So that's that's one thing, like if it's in the dating realm. Mm-hmm. I think a second thing is don't lay all your cards out to somebody because people are very manipulative if they are narcissistic. And so if you tell them, your needs, your wants, your dreams, your goals, your desires, they're easy, easily able to sort of shift shape into what it is that you want. Create a strategy to get yeah, to draw you in. To draw you in. Look for their relational history. Mm-hmm. Do they discard people? Is everybody crazy? Is everyone they ever dated the problem? Mm. I uh, would also add to um, that as well, like when you are in a friendship or relationship with someone and you feel exhausted, like you can't ever give enough or do enough. Um, I heard your caller say that like it was, I won't go fishing, you know, I'll do this, I'll do that. And it never got better happy, right? to make you happy. Um, if you find yourself doing that in your friendships or in your relationships, um, there's likely something off mm-hmm. and you need to trust that feeling. Our phone lines are still full. Our hour is up. Um, so we have to end our conversation, but we're going to continue these conversations about relationships and, and mental health conditions because they're, they're so valuable and, and strategies. Uh, I want to thank uh, our, our friends, uh, our therapists from Therapies Counseling in St. Paul. We've been talking with Larissa Hooper, a therapist and the founder of Therapies Counseling in St. Paul. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist, as well as a licensed alcohol and drug counselor. And Chanel Winnell, they work together also at their therapist with Therapies Counseling in St. Paul, a licensed associate marriage and family therapist. Um, thank you. And we will have you back again to the program. Thank you to our listeners for uh, joining us and sharing your stories and great questions. Uh, this conversation was produced by Gretchen Brown. I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to a recording of my live radio show on NPR News. A reminder that if you want to catch my show in real time, tune in and call in weekdays at 9 a.m.